0: It's Twin Bills, the Red Sox podcast from the Sports Department of the Providence Journal. Featuring Red Sox beat writer Bill Koch, along with sports editor Bill Corey. Now, Twin Bills. Hello and welcome to the 2019 season premiere of the Twin Bills Red Sox podcast. This is Bill Corey, sports editor of the Providence Journal. And with me is Bill Koch, our Red Sox beat writer. Hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. Bill Corey, how are we? I'm good, I'm good. You know, I, I love opening day, not only because um, I'm a baseball fan, but uh, it usually means good weather is on the way, and we have, uh, as they say, broken the back of winter, although it doesn't it doesn't quite feel that way this morning when I got out.
1: Um, you know, it looks nice enough outside. We have bright blue skies outside our, our studio here in Providence. The sun is shining beautifully. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you do go outside and you get caught in maybe a gust of wind or two, you're reminded that spring is probably still proper spring, not calendar spring, but proper spring, probably still a couple weeks away. Right. Well, uh, you had a taste of proper spring because
0: it wasn't too long ago you uh, got back from Fort Myers. You spent a few days down in Red Sox spring training camp. Um, so, Bill, what, what was the tone and the um, feeling around the team uh, as they were ready to uh, break camp and head out west?
1: Um, very much, as Alex Cora said at the start of spring training, a continuation from last year. Mm. Uh, a team that is in good spirits, that's focused, uh, that's determined on becoming the first team to repeat as World Series champion since the New York Yankees did so, uh, I believe it was from 1998 to 2000. They had a three-peat there. Um, And that's the goal for this team this year. It's to make history. It's to become that first team in 20 years to do it. Uh, And, you know, as Alex Cora said, his first media briefing this spring, why would we want to turn the page on something that was so good last year? Why wouldn't we just want to continue?
0: It, well, it really was a great year. Obviously, 108 wins, and they win the World Series. Uh, fantastic uh, uh, playoff run. Um, and as we look at this year's team, um, y- you know, there isn't a whole lot different. Obviously, the, the glaring difference is you don't have. Craig Kimbrell in the bullpen, uh, at least not now. I mean, he's still a free agent. Uh, and besides that, you are starting the season with Nathan Ivaldi in the rotation. He was a midseason pickup. You're also starting the season with Steve Pierce, although he's injured uh, or probably won't be with the team uh, when they open up. But uh, essentially, it's the same team coming back. And you still have Mookie Betts. You still have J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, Devers, Sale, Price, and... Um, and in terms of off-season news, I think the biggest news happened when you happened to be down there recently, and that's with the uh, contract extension for Chris Sale. So, let's unpack that a little bit. What, what did you make of that?
1: Um, the Chris Sale extension, another five years, $145 million, uh, kicks in starting in 2020, um, runs through 2024. There is an opt-out in there. Uh, After three seasons two seasons or three seasons I think it's after the 2021 season to coincide with the expiration of the collective bargaining agreement Mm. perhaps there'll be new terms between the players and the owners and uh, sales agent wanted to have a little flexibility in there for his client Uh, what I think probably what I took most out of this obviously you're retaining a very talented guy a very good pitcher a a, a guy who has finished in the top six or seven of the Cy Young voting each of the last seven years in the American League Um, but the image for me that that endures was a sales press conference with Dave Dombrowski you had Alex Cora most of his coaching staff in that room you had the other four members of the starting rotation in that room Jackie Bradley Mookie Betts Andrew Benintendi not necessarily something they had to do They are getting ready to play a 1 o'clock game. They could have been in the clubhouse eating, stretching, hitting, whatever it could have been. I think that those guys showing up gives you an idea of what sort of regard they hold Chris Sale in in that clubhouse. Uh, A grinder, a competitor, a a leader on that pitching staff. Um, Someone who last year, let's be honest, he pitched in pain the last two two months of the season and into the playoffs, Mm -hmm. um, was not healthy. Uh, I have my own theories about what the belly button ring was all about uh, in the World Series, but you know I'll try to connect the dots and say that if you have left shoulder inflammation and you're an a- and you're on an anti-inflammatories, those can do a job in your stomach. Mm. Maybe Chris was a little too zealous to get back on the field. You can leave it at that. Mm-hmm. If you're his teammate or his manager and you know that he is that maniacal in his determination with one year left on his contract to try to help you win a World Series, how can you help but respect that?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Other changes in the roster, we no longer have, obviously Kimbrel is not here, no longer have uh, Joe Kelly, no longer have Ian Kinsler, no longer have Drew Pomerantz. But honestly, Bill, I I don't think uh, those are big losses, uh, certainly Pomerance did not have a good year last year. Uh, Kinsler uh, didn't. I. I don't think live up. I mean, he 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 filled the hole and he was okay, but I don't think he lived up to some expectations that people had for him. Joe Kelly came on like a like a star in the in the postseason and he landed himself a nice contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, and um, I think uh, to to help. Fill that hole. They they, they picked up uh, a Col- Colton Brewer from the Padres. What do we know about him?
1: As uh, a right-hander, uh, primarily features a cut fastball. You know, I think he only had eleven or twelve appearances for San Diego last season. Um, you know, but a guy who they're reasonably excited about, uh, mid twenties. You know, seems to have a live arm. Uh, gives them a, a different dimension, maybe in the bullpen with the cutter. Um, you know, and as someone who is going to be out there. Going forward, uh, I, I would say about Joe Kelly, he was great in the postseason. Um, but at times during the regular season, you rode the roller coaster oh, with that guy. You were scared. <laughs> he, he was he was very good and then very bad yeah. uh, in, in different parts of the year. Uh, so good for him for for getting a nice deal from the Dodgers, three years and $25 million. But I think there would have been almost unanimous agreement at the end of September among Red Sox fans that they would have been fine with letting him walk.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, So uh, today uh, is Tuesday, and uh, the Red Sox are about to um, open their last exhibition game out uh, in—they're in Arizona today. They're uh, playing the Chicago Cubs before they head out to Seattle to open the season. Uh, You will be joining them uh, out there in uh, another day or so. Um, Kind of a long West Coast swing to open this season, Bill. Um, Yeah. Goods and bads, I think. Uh, Goods, uh, you don't have to play in the cold uh, New England weather. Um, You know, bads is... A lot of, uh, for, from the fan standpoint, a lot of late-night starts, and you don't really get the sense that baseball is here until until you see the, uh, the ceremonies at Fenway on April 9th.
1: Yeah, 11 games in 11 days. Uh, you start in Seattle, then Oakland, then Arizona for some interleague action. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you said, I and I actually had this conversation with uh, Kevin Bowles, the former Paw Sox manager, mm-hmm. uh, last season. I said, Kevin, how would you feel about the first three weeks of the season on the road? You just... You know, go on the road for 20, 21 days. It's a long grind. It's a long time to be away and and out of your own bed. And he said, I would do it in a second for the weather. Um, I I don't mind being away. We travel all the time. It is what it is. Mm. Uh, So in that respect, your point is a good one. The Red Sox will probably take Seattle in a Dome. Oakland, which is pretty much what it is year-round, mm-hmm. and then Arizona, which is either a retractable roof or it's going to be a very nice desert climate to start off. Uh, stands to reason that your body's going to come out of Florida and, and Arizona feeling pretty good, and you know, probably come back to, to Fenway with a little bit of a head of steam for the home opener.
0: So when they do open the season uh, out in um, in Seattle, uh, they won't be with uh, one or two pieces, and one of those pieces is veteran second baseman Dustin Pedroya who will be in extended spring training. I can't say it's a big surprise. I'm sure the Red Sox want to treat him with kid gloves here and right. hope that uh, he will be there in August and September.
1: Yeah, you, you need to take the long view with Pedroya. You have him under contract for this year and two more. Um, you know, It's not just for this season. Uh, you saw what happened last year in terms of trying to get him back, uh, you know, Late May, early June, played three games and, and wasn't able to play anymore. Uh, ended up going back to Arizona mm-hmm. to rehab on his own. Uh, he's going to go back to Fort Myers uh, to continue to work on his left knee. Uh, they're talking about just building up his innings, trying to get him to play nine innings one day and then back-to-back days, uh, You know, just getting used to being on his feet that often. Uh, He'll have some company there in Steve Pierce who's going to start the season on the injured list. Uh, He's got a left calf strain Uh, and I think Pierce's issue mainly is that he hasn't really played in any games uh, over the last week or or 10 days. Mm. Uh, They want him to at least go down to Fort Myers and get some at-bats in a minor league game where he can play first base where he has to run the bases a little bit uh, where it's not necessarily the controlled environment of the batting cage Uh, so that gives Sam Travis a, a roster spot at least for the first You know, seven days, fourteen days or so, Uh, but you will miss Steve Pierce. You have a run of left-handed pitching against Seattle. You've got three lefties in four games there. Yeah, right off the bat. Oakland also has some left-handed pitching in that second series. Um, You know, so you will miss him a a little bit. Uh, Was the World Series MVP last year and and was a great mid-season addition. But you know, as Alex Cora did throughout last season, and the organization did throughout last season, they're going to take the long view on this. Mm.
0: Uh, One other. Player who won't be with them is Stephen Wright. Obviously, he tested positive for uh, performance-enhancing drugs. He'll be out for uh, 80 games anyway, uh, so we won't see him until uh, mid-midway through the season. Uh, but I got to tell you, Bill, I'm I'm excited about this pitching staff. You know, I think that um, obviously we all know what uh, David Price did in the pl- in the playoffs. Mm. Kind of got over that hump and yeah. and what really performed fantastically. Um, but now you've you've got um, you've got Nathan Ivaldi in that rotation as well. So you're going to roll out a, a rotation of Chris Sale, David Price, Porcello, who took a, a, a line drive to the head. Uh, but I guess it's not that bad. Oh, scary moment! It was last scary. Night yeah, that
1: game in Chicago uh, or against Chicago, against Chicago on Monday oh, yeah. night. Uh, a glancing blow on a line drive. The ball ends up in center field, which is a good thing. Means that it didn't catch him square. Yeah. Um he had a joke with the trainer Brad Pearson when he came out to to check on him. He asked Brad to touch the spot on his head where it hit and then he recoiled immediately and started to laugh at at Brad Pearson who was rightfully horrified. <laughs> right. Uh you know thinking he's dealing with a head injury. Oh, um you know but yeah Porcello is is fine. Uh he managed to finish his outing. He he threw more in the bullpen actually when he was done. Mm-hmm. Uh so I would think he's fine going forward
0: and uh, And then you have obviously uh, evaldi and uh, Eduardo Rodriguez yep uh, that is a pretty uh formidable pitching rotation if everyone um, pitches up to potential and expectations um, bill what, what what's what 's your take on on this staff i I happen to really like it
1: well, first thing, get used to seeing them uh, because four of these five guys now are locked up you know through the twenty twenty one season sure uh, you know Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, hits free agency in 2022. Uh, otherwise, Price, Evaldi, and Sale are all under contract. Um, so get used to seeing these guys. Porcello is in his walk here obviously this year, and you know I know that the other guys in the rotation would like to see the Red Sox get something done. He, he's sort of on a, a show me basis yep. here. Um, you know he's he's had a lot of work over 10 years or so, mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to depend on what kind of contract he wants uh, for him to potentially stay. But in terms of this rotation, I'm I'm interested to see what price can do coming off that high of the postseason um, you know the second half of last year he was very good as well uh, so you wonder if, if he's found something there uh, Rodriguez before his injury last year his ankle injury I think it was in July actually pitched very well uh, so you're interested to see if he can put together you know maybe 2830 starts you know maybe try to push on 175 innings and, and see what he can do over a full year um, I know they're really excited about it Ivaldi, and I think it's because they have a different idea of how they want Ivaldi to pitch that maybe he hasn't used before in terms of his sequencing with fastballs up and cutters down and away or splitters down and in. they have sort of a different idea how they would like him to attack hitters Hmm. that maybe they haven't seen from him in previous organizations, whether it be with the Rays or with the Yankees. They feel like there's a lot more upside there. Uh, And he's a 28-year-old guy starting the season. He's right in the middle of his physical prime. His work ethic and his unselfishness are undeniable. uh, If you watch what he did last year in the playoffs – uh, you couldn't help but marvel at the guy and, and his efforts. So, you know, I think they're really excited about those five guys, and I think the strength of that rotation is probably why they didn't make any any big splashy signings in the bullpen.
0: Yeah, I think I think avaldi can. Um you know, can can really work out to be a gem for them. I mean, they signed him to. It wasn't a huge deal. It's like seventeen million a year, I think. Yeah, um, four
1: for sixty-eight. Right.
0: That's right. Um, which I mean, these days, Bill, that's almost nothing, right, for a, <laughs> a quality starting pitcher.
1: You know, it, based on the guy that we saw last year down the stretch against the Yankees and in the playoffs. Yeah. He's worth every penny. Sure. If you're going to take a risk of $68 million on a guy who has a sort of spotty regular season mm-hmm. track record, you do it on a guy with that sort of raw stuff. It gives you something to work with. Mm-hmm. And, and as you said, he's, he's
0: at the right age there. He's got some years ahead of him here. Right. Where or he can really be effective for you. Uh, so which brings us to uh, the bullpen. And it's funny because we'd spent all of last summer talking about the uh, problems with the bullpen. And here we are beginning 2019 saying, yeah. who's going to close the games for him? <laughs> and uh, it's probably going to be Barnes, I guess, or Brazier or some, some combination. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, th- I think this is one of those things that we as fans um, and as media types may concern ourselves with more than maybe Alex Cora does um, because oh uh, I think that's definitely true <laughs> Yeah, well, because you know um, that that's one of the talking points about this team as it was last year what do you do
1: once you get past the uh, sixth or seventh inning sure um, you know obviously the two candidates to close would be Matt Barnes and Ryan Brazier uh, they both bring some strengths to the argument. Uh, Barnes led the team in strikeouts per nine innings last year. He was at 14 even, uh, which is just ahead of Kimbrell, who had 13.9, and Sale, who had 13.5, which, as a starter, is just ridiculous. Uh, Brazier... Brazier did a couple things that that you would really like to see out of your closer as well. Um, you know, 34 appearances last year in the regular season, only two home runs allowed, and only seven walks. Mm. So difficult to beat because he doesn't beat himself, right. uh, doesn't give up. You know, a couple walks and then a three-run homer, which you see a lot of closers run into trouble with. Uh, Kimbrel included last season, uh, put himself in some jams, absolutely with some wildness. Yep. Um, personally, what I think. Is going to happen. I think Brazier is going to end up closing. I I think they like Barnes from the standpoint of he can go multiple innings. Uh, He can also be the type of guy who, when the lineup comes through the fourth time, Hmm. they used him in that spot last year, whether it was the sixth inning, seventh inning, eighth inning. And then they had either Kelly or Brazier for the bottom half of the order. Then they bring in Kimbrough for the ninth, uh, so I think you you might see Barnes a little earlier in the game because of that. I think Core is not naming Brazier yet because he might not want to put that kind of pressure on. Sure, as
0: soon as you get that tag, all of a sudden now uh, you you're, you're sort of carrying a lot of weight.
1: You know, once you're into the season, yeah, you only have to answer the question one time and it's going to be after your first outing. Ryan, right. are you comfortable being the closer? Yeah. If he names him the closer the first day of spring training, he's got to take that question for six weeks.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 a more comfortable situation if it happens organically, so to speak. That's you know, right. He just, he's not the closer, but he just happens to be out there in the ninth inning and then he wins the game and then, you know, happens once or twice and then he becomes officially the closer.
1: You know, and, and this is going to get to the point where, and you could sense a little bit of this from the bullpen at the end of last year, there's going to be a little bit of defiance from them, uh, you know, because they hear... Them people as the pitching say, staff or the bullpen? From the bullpen. Because yeah. they hear people say, you know, you guys are the weak link and you yeah. can't win the World Series because of you and, you know, you guys are a bunch of bums. And they referred to that a few times down the stretch and, mm-hmm. and in the postseason last year. Uh, and they've already started this year. Uh, I think it was Hembry who, who described the relievers as the offensive line of the team. Uh, you know, the guys <laughs> right. who, who get no credit when everything goes right well, and, and get all the blame when the quarterback gets sacked eight times.
0: That's not too far off. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, and they would much rather be sort of anonymous. Just go out there and and do their jobs. Um, You know, and I I thought that was a – if they're going to adopt that mindset, I I think it's a pretty good one to take. Um, You know, you also wonder – What's going to happen once you get into the postseason? We saw that Alex Cora has a, a little different idea of how to handle his staff sure. once you get into October. Uh, Houston used it in 2017, won the World Series. They had Ken Giles as a closer. He wasn't particularly effective. Right. Uh, last year in the playoffs, Kimbrell wasn't particularly effective. Nine outings, he gave up earned runs in five of them. Mm. Uh, your best reliever was Nathan Avaldi. Uh, so if this team manages to, to just sort of guide it through the regular season, you know, whether it's with Barnes or with Brazier or with Brian Johnson as a long man and Hector Velasquez as a long man and Heath Hembree, uh, you know Colton Brewer, um, some sort of combination of the above, once you get to October, it's going to be a very different look out there. Yeah, and it hey
0: worked great last year, right? So uh, it's not as though um, it's not something that the Red Sox... Uh, oh, what?
1: One other thing about that, mm. and, and Sale made this point at his press conference the other day. Mm. Uh, he was commending ownership. Obviously, he should. They just gave him $145 million. <laughs> I'd,
0: I'd commend that. Totally.
1: <laughs> I would, too. Right. Um, but he did make a point that was interesting to me. Uh, he did say that you know credit to the owners because they realized that when we had a chance to win... They went out and acquired guys and added salary and went through the luxury tax. Right. They went for it. Mm. You're at the point now in the league where 15 teams, you know, give or take, aren't going for it. Yeah. They're racing for the bottom. They're trying not to spend. So who's to stop the Red Sox from going out and adding a relief arm from one of these tanking teams Mm. mid-season? Sure, You have to figure that there's going to be a market there. You saw last year a lot of relievers moved uh, at and before the trade deadline on July 31st. They opted to go a different direction and get Nathan Evaldi. But if this is a legitimate problem over the first two, two and a half months, just wait for teams to race to the bottom and then pounce with a deal. I, I don't see any reason why the Red Sox wouldn't act considering their recent track record and the goal that they have this season
0: absolutely Uh, i mean they did last year they added both to their pitching and their offense with pearson and it it worked wonders and um you know they also picked up uh uh, ian kinsler who helped them at second base Mm -hmm. so let's take a look at the uh let's take a look at the offense now in the lineup uh right off the bat there's a little change at the top here with mookie dropping from one to two um I see I think that makes sense. Uh, of course, I mean he's the AL MVP, so you know, part of part of you thinks don't change anything. Right. Uh, but I see I seem to think that makes sense because he obviously can hit for power, uh, can still get on base for for some of the big thumpers coming up. What's your take on it?
1: Well, the theory there being obviously that if Mookie Bats plays 150 games, he's going to have 150 more chances to drive in a run. Mm. If Ben Intendi reaches in right. front of him, uh, he's got a chance to be a run producer right away. Uh, you look at Ben Intendi and, and his skill set over the course of his career. He has great strike zone discipline, a guy who isn't afraid to take walks, a, a guy who gets on base at a, a pretty regular clip. Uh, you don't want him to lose his aggression as the table setter, uh, but you know that he's the type of guy who, once he gets comfortable up there, can handle the job as a leadoff guy. Uh, you know, So you drop bats into the two-hole. Betts' talent is so great that you could bat him first, second, third, fourth, fifth. I don't really think it matters so long as he embraces it. Uh, once he gets in that box, he's a nightmare for opposing pitchers. And I I think that those guys, having had some time to mentally prepare for it, having had some time in, in spring training to adjust to it, I think that they'll find their stride at some point in the season. They're just too talented not to.
0: Absolutely. And... Uh you know, stop me if you've heard this before, but the rest of the lineup basically looks the same as last year, for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. still got J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts is in there, Devers, Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, uh, you won't have um, uh, Dustin Pedroia to begin the season. You'll probably have some combination of Holt or Nunez, right? maybe some Lynn, who knows. You'll see Mitch Moreland in there, Steve Pierce, obviously, uh, dealing with uh, an issue to begin the season as well. Uh, but um, obviously, no, uh, no Pedroia either. So here's the here's the million dollar question. Oh, and of course, Blake Swihart, who we'll probably see it at the, at the plate more than we did last year because sure. Sandy Leone is going to be uh, sounds like he's going to be starting the season at, uh, in Pawtucket.
1: Yeah, he's been outrighted to AAA. Uh, he was put on waivers by the Red Sox and and went unclaimed. Uh, accepted his assignment. To preserve his salary this year, he'll make about $2.5 million, and he has a great insurance policy in in AAA uh, behind Swihart and and Christian Vasquez, Uh, also a guy who, as a wonderful receiver, is someone who should be able to develop pitching. Uh, Mm -hmm. in AAA. You wouldn't have any hesitation about bringing up a guy like Darwins and Hernandez and pairing him with Sandy Leone. That's someone he can learn from uh, and someone who Paw Sox pitching prospects over the year are going to be able to learn from and and should be comfortable throwing to. Uh, Swihart, the offensive upside, is just too great to deny. He had a really good spring. Um, Is the best offensive catcher out of those three at his ceiling. Uh, Vasquez was the guy who played the majority of the playoff games last Year. He's starting a three-year extension this season. Um, is probably the the favorite to get most of the work behind the plate. I, I would guess that there's probably going to be like a three to two ratio there, or three and a half to one and a half ratio there. With Vasquez, with Vasquez mm-hmm. getting the three or, or three mm-hmm. and a half, and Swihart getting the one and a half. Uh, I thought it was telling that you had Vasquez working with. Porcello and Sale, uh, two guys who were primarily caught by Leon yep. last year. I, I think they want to give those two guys the better receiver sure. out of the two. Uh, you're going to have Swihart probably catch uh, David Price and probably Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, they, they have similar stuff in terms of fastball changeup. Mm-hmm. They're a little more straightforward uh, in terms of how they want to work. And, and you know, I, I think that's probably good for him just to get him more comfortable behind the plate. He's a very good athlete but not necessarily the receiver that Vasquez or Leon is.
0: Right. So, uh, so again, the, mil- the million-dollar question here is, if you are bringing back essentially all the same ingredients, do you get the same meal, so to speak? Right. Uh, th- because there is nothing that you can point to and say, well, they're clearly deficient in this area or have had a big drop-off from last year in this area because essentially you're bringing back the same team except for uh, a few pieces here and there. So, Bill, if I were to ask you, um, what do you think could derail their uh, their uh, pursuit of another uh, World Series uh, championship um, What what's, what's your answer what do you
1: think well health is certainly number yep. one and, and I think that's the case for any team mm-hmm. uh, you know you're starting off with, with two guys on the injured list already in, in Pierce and in Pedroia yep. um, you know you wonder you know, I mean last year they were pretty healthy uh, Betts missed a little time with an abdominal strain. Uh, Martinez missed maybe three or four games with some back tightness. Otherwise, those two guys were, were both healthy and driving the lineup. Uh, Benintendi was durable, didn't miss any time. Uh, Bogarts missed a little bit with an ankle injury yeah. at, at the start of the season. Yeah, but early. Yeah. You know, the last four months or so, he was fine. Sure. Um, you, know, you wonder... In terms of maybe a natural regression, you look at guys like Betts, Martinez, and Bogarts. All had career years last well, that, year. That's
0: the thing; they all played at the peak of their <clears> careers, <throat> and they're all in their prime. It's not like we're, right. we're looking at the second half or you know back nine, so to speak. But you know, do you have a similar year from all of those guys? Now, you know, we're forgetting too that you know there were some players who didn't do so well for a good part of the year who came on later on. For example, Jackie Bradley Jr who uh, for the first part of the season really was almost an automatic out so you know does he continue sort of what he was doing toward the end of the year to start this season too
1: um no that's a, a good question and and you you look at Betts, Martinez, Bogarts, if they do take a step back, can other guys be better? Yeah. Uh, Stands to reason that the catching position will be more productive offensively. Uh, Swihart will be better offensively than Leon would be. Uh, Stands to reason that that Bradley, if he is who he was the last 80 games or or anything close to that, will improve on what he was the first 80 games. He really struggled. Right. Um, And Rafael Devers had a great spring. Yeah. And and is someone Mm -hmm. who I'm really interested to watch going into, I think, only his second full season, still a really young player. I I think we lose track of that because we've seen him so much, in particular in the postseason. Uh, But a guy who this year got to spring in much better shape, uh, Alex Cora said that he's been able to focus more on baseball this spring Mm. and not on extra cardio or extra weightlifting or or trying to cut his weight down and play himself into shape. Mm -hmm. He's been able to focus on just hitting, taking ground balls, whatever else. You saw it in his performance this spring in Fort Myers. Right. He was terrific. Sure. Um, so maybe he makes a little bit of a jump yeah. and would take up some of the gap if, if some of those guys maybe take a 5 or a 10% step down. Well that's the thing he is so young
0: mm-hmm. he's got some he's got great potential and you've got other uh I mean Ben a great player but I still think that that his best days are still ahead of him. Yes. You know so we'll see maybe this this is the year that he puts together uh you know a season that that would uh, put him in the MVP discussion who who knows I mean um you know, maybe it's overly optimistic to say, uh, yeah, Betts and Martinez and, and Bo, uh, Bogarts will have the same years that they had in, in eighteen, and that that's possibly true. But you know, there are other there are other players who I still think could could improve upon their performance. Obviously, JBJ is one of them. But hey, Devers and Benintendi could also add a lot to that to that lineup.
1: No question. You you look at Benintendi. And not that they had bad years. No, you know? you, you look at Benintendi. I think he's twenty four yeah. starting this season. Right. Uh, you know, you look at him and you think, well, he's a veteran you know he's been around for a long time still a very young player mm-hmm. this year uh, he'll be 24 this year Devers will be 22 Bogarts will be 26 um, so you're looking at guys who, who are really just getting started here um, you know and who are already so good uh, you know I think that's that's something to keep in mind I, I also think that you know these guys took on a, a bit of a new approach last year uh hitting approach um you know cora and his staff andy Barquette and tim hires the the co-hitting coaches adopted the mantra do damage uh and they wanted these guys to be aggressive whether it's early in the count uh hunting fastballs hunting pitches out over the plate um how much more comfortable how much more muscle memory is that going to be in year two is is the group the collective going to be even better even more comfortable at the plate right um so uh, let 's take a
0: quick look here at some of the um, at the uh, Red Sox opponents in the american League east now sure i 'm um, not expecting much from the Baltimore Orioles or the Toronto Blue Jays unless you know something i don 't ah uh, i don 't okay. uh, so I think really the competition is going to be from our old friends down route uh, route ninety five and that is the uh the New York Yankees uh, and to some degree the Tampa Bay Rays, but let's start with the Yanks here. Um, obviously, they still have Aaron Judge and John Stanton on the on the roster. Mm. Um, they still have Luis Severino taking the taking the mound. Uh, J A Happ is is with them and Paxton this year as well, right? James Paxton from the Mariners, right? Yep. So that's that's a pretty formidable staff as well, uh, and they're. Um, their bullpen looks pretty damn good.
1: Yeah, really good. Uh you know, the Yankees are battling some injuries right out of the blocks. Uh Severino is going to miss about the first month of the season. He has inflammation in his right rotator cuff. Uh obviously they don't want to take any chances with him. Sure. Um, he's the race of the future going forward. Uh, Aaron Hicks has a, a stiff back. He's going to be out. You know, He'll miss opening day. Uh, Didier Gregorius had Tommy John surgery. He's going to be out until probably around the middle of the season. Um, Dellen Batantis has right shoulder trouble. He's going to be out. Uh, for an undetermined length of time, so the Yankees are a little hobbled early, mm-hmm. uh, but the talent there is is wonderful. Uh, you know, you're looking at Stanton and Judge, and you know that lineup of of monsters in there uh, set a major league record for yep. home runs by a team last year. Um, the bullpen formidable with you know adding Adam Ottavino from the Rockies, uh, another sort of power arm guy who can set up for all this Chapman. Um, you know, they retain Zach Britton who was a a trade deadline acquisition last year. Uh, Another left-hander to pair with Chapman. Um, So the Yankees are are clearly going to try and play five, maybe four inning games uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes down to crunch time uh, and turn it over to that bullpen. Uh, They're all going to have high strikeout rates, low contact rates. Um, It's going to be a matter of of whether or not you can get to them early, keep their guys from hitting the ball over the fence. I think the Red Sox did a really good job of that last year in the ALDS. Uh, I I think you saw the blueprint for beating the Yankees. Um, you know whether or not that can be replicated this year remains to be seen. But they're going to be a major challenge in the division. for Tor- Sure. A-
0: another offseason pickup we didn't mention was uh, Troy Tulowitzki, and who you know who knows obviously been plagued by injuries uh, the last couple of years, but still a heck of a talented player when he's on the field and he's and he's ready.
1: Yeah, no question. A, a right-handed hitter, a guy who might be able to play some shortstops still mm-hmm. uh, into his thirties. They're basically looking for for anything to replace uh, Gregorius, who's right. going to be out early. You still have Glaber Torres. Who I love mm. as a player, I think he's a star in the making. Uh, they also signed DJ LeMahieu from the Rockies uh, to a two-year deal. Second baseman could probably play a little third base too. Um, they have no shortage of options. They they clearly loaded up. They're they're tired of losing to the Red Sox in the division. Uh, you know, Boston's won the AL East three years in a row, yeah. uh, and the Yankees because of their ability to develop young players have left themselves with a lot of salary open to spend.
0: Yeah, I get a sense it's going to be another fun summer with uh, the Boston-New York rivalry. Agreed. Both, both teams. Uh, obviously, the Yankees won 100 games last year, so yeah. usually usually that, that's that's enough to win the division.
1: You, you win, not, 100, not so last you win year. 100 games and you lose the division by eight.
0: That's pretty <laughs> tough. Right? not even in the running. It's a tough yeah, league. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and the other team that uh, that's uh, kind of a pesky team and always gives the Red Sox some fits is the Tampa Bay Rays. Last year, they uh, developed the opener. They won 90 games. Um uh, and again, no, um, no huge um, uh, free agent acquisitions or anything, but they did some work in the offseason as well.
1: Yeah, the Rays you know, really came on like gangbusters, probably the last 100 games of last year, last 80 games of, of last year. Yeah, uh, last half. Yeah. They were really tough in the second half. And, and I know, you know Boston went down there, uh, I think it was in, in August, and got swept. That's at right. Tropicana That's Field, right. yeah, uh, you know, and they, it was it was probably the only stretch of the year where the Red Sox sort of scuffled offensively, and the Rays just feasted on them. And I know, you know, Alex Cora when he came back, uh, you know, he was talking to the media and he said, "Geez," he said, "those guys really have it going." He said, "Thank goodness, you know, we don't have to go back there again because they're they're really tough right yep. now." Um, you know, noteworthy off season acquisition for the Rays, Charlie Morton, the right hander from the Astros. Yep. Uh, they're going to put him in the rotation. Uh, they signed Blake Snell, the AL Cy Young winner, to a Five-year extension. Sure. Uh, someone who certainly deserved to get paid. Uh, you're intrigued by their outfield in terms of you know someone like Tommy Pham who who could be a hitter for them. Uh, came over from the Cardinals last season uh, You know, as someone who, who could produce at a, a reasonable level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their lineup has some interesting options. Uh, Mike Zanino behind the plate now. He's a home run hitting catcher who they brought in from Seattle. You're just interested. You know, I'm interested with the Rays and, and with the opener in general. Mm. You're counting on many many more guys to be good right. year over year as opposed to five starters. You know, you're counting on seven or eight or nine relievers mm. to be good for right. a second straight year. Right. I just think that percentage-wise, you're, you're running the risk of a little more variance. You know, Maybe Jose Alvarado or Chaz Rowe or Ryan Yarbrough aren't as good as they were last year. Right. Then what happens?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a heavy load for fewer people to carry, so to speak. Right. Um, <clears throat> so... Um the uh, the Red Sox will open their season on March 28th, which is a couple of days from now, in Seattle. They are on the road until uh, April 9th, when they open uh, at home at Fenway, uh, and that should be a fun day, right? The home opener. They're going to be raising yet another uh, championship banner or flag. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, the the weather will uh, will cooperate. Um, it's uh, it's almost like old hat now. Raising these championships around here, you
1: know we we have talked about this before hmm. on the podcast, and I know you and I have, have spoken about this privately. Just how spoiled we are as a, a oh, fan base it's, at it's this ridiculous. point. It's ridiculous. Absolutely, you know, you know you think back to you know, I mean, you're you're a couple of years older than me, but we both sort of grew up in the the same area of Boston. Ba- I'm same- ten. I'm, ve- oh. I'm very very kind of you. I'm ten years older, but <laughs> we, we both sort of grew up in the same era of sure. Boston sports. Where you know the only team that was really winning anything was Celtics. Yeah, um, the Bruins made the finals a couple times. The Patriots made a couple Super Bowls, but generally they weren't necessarily a great franchise. Uh, and the Bruins, you know, and and the Red Sox were you know, they were hopeless. Mm. They they <laughs> they would not only were they hopeless, they would break your they would heart, rip your heart out. You know, they'd they'd make a little playoff run, they'd right. have a decent year, and and then they would lose in agonizing fashion. Yeah. And we sort of got used to not winning much around here. Now you're looking at the Red Sox, who have won four World Series in, in this century, the only team in Major League Baseball to do so. You're looking at the, Yan- uh, the the Yankees. The Patriots coming off another Super Bowl win. Right. I would expect to see some of them at Fenway on opening sure, day. Sure, of course. That, that tends maybe, to be tradition.
0: Maybe, maybe even Gronk, now I mean, that he's got a lot more time on his hands. Uh, Gronk,
1: now a gentleman of leisure, can uh, <laughs> sit up in a luxury box. and, and <laughs> The question
0: uh, is, will Robert Kraft be there?
1: Uh, well... That that might be might be a bit of a distraction okay. if you invite Mr. Kraft, uh, you might want to keep him behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, it's just an embarrassment of riches uh, for the region to to this point, and so you you look at and you think the ceremony that could happen on that opening day, and, and the Red Sox spare no expense. We've seen it before. Mm. You know, they have guest stars and, you know, all sorts of, of honors on field before the game and, you know, musical guests before the game and, and some sort of honor guard and the flag coming off the left field wall. And you could see it all now. Right. And by the way, there'll be a game, too. There'll be a game, too, there, a game too which, which is secondary. Right. You can see it all now because it's happened so often. Yeah. It, it's incredible. uh You know, and so we we are, we should say, we are in a golden age of Austin sports that day is just going to be another reminder of, of how blessed and how fortunate we've been in recent years, and and I would remind the fans, you know, continually to enjoy it because you don't know when it's going to
0: end. Absolutely, you shouldn't you shouldn't take it for granted. No. Although, although it seems like we have been because we just expect all our teams to uh, to be competing for titles. Uh, and you know, to your point, uh, since the last time we did this, they uh, they had another duck boat parade for the Patriots. So. Um, So we should mention just quickly here that our uh, local uh, team, the uh, Pawtucket Red Sox, at least local for another couple of seasons anyway, uh, will be opening the season uh, on the road on April 4th. And their home opener is uh, April 11th, which is a Thursday against Syracuse. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a six o'clock game as well. So both uh, Red Sox and Paw Sox getting back to business here in the next week or two. Uh, Bill, I will probably see you at the home opener. Oh, good. Uh, But uh, between now and then, you'll be uh, on a plane for uh, some warmer climbs.
1: Yeah, I leave uh, Wednesday night for Seattle. Um, the opening day, obviously, on Thursday. Uh, we'll head to Oakland, and then uh, I'll take a couple days of leisure in Las Vegas. What? Uh, I know, really. Believe <laughs> it. Um, I, I might have happened to coordinate that with the Final Four. Huh. Uh, I don't it's
0: That's probably just a coincidence. Not
1: uh, just a coincidence, totally. <laughs> right. To, to watch two Final Four games in a sports book of your choice uh, uh-huh. on the strip. Right. Uh, you know, but getting to the Paw Sox, um, A few guys on that roster bear watching, in particular in the bullpen. You're going to have Travis Lakens, Bobby Pointer, Marcus Walden, Josh Taylor. All those guys are on the 40 man roster. Uh, You're probably going to have Michael Chavis and and Zhu Wei Lin both start the year Mm -hmm. uh, in that infield, both on the 40 man roster. You'll probably have Sandy Leone catch in there, too. Sandy Leone's going to get his bat
0: going again.
1: Um, Someone like Josh Akami, who's probably going to start the year at first base is worth watching considering the Red Sox first base situation next year. Pierce and Moreland are both on one-year deals. You wonder if someone like Chavis or Akami or maybe even Bobby Dalbeck can break through and try to save them a little money, give them an internal option so that they could take that cash and sign Xander Bogarts or Mookie Betts or someone else. So the Paw Sox have some guys who are sort of on the way, almost there, mm-hmm. and being able to develop those guys and get them up to Boston could save the Red Sox the last few pennies or nickels that they need to keep some of this core intact even further. Well,
0: they're going to need every penny of it because with the deals that we've seen here with the Bryce Hopper and then Mike Trout, uh, you know, Mookie is going to uh, literally break the bank here.
1: Yeah, check the couch cushions. Fucks. Uh, send send <laughs> right. all cash to John Henry. Might and Tom want to start Warner. a
0: GoFundMe page <laughs> yeah. for for bets Clean
1: and, out those car right. ashtrays and, and send us your quarters because right. we need them.
0: Okay. Well, Bill, uh, this as usual has been a lot of fun, and we'll do it again uh, next time you and I are in the same place at the same time.
1: That's great, Bill. Uh, Can't wait.
0: Bye bye.